Welcome to another edition of Asbury Pod with Amy Quinn. I am unpaid producer Heather, sitting in this week for Joe, who couldn't make it to the podcast because of a work thing. Today, Amy and her special guest co-host, local journalist Michael Cook, are speaking with Jojo and Kristen, who run Paradise and Empress Hotel. They discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly, unique challenges of running a safe LGBTQ space in a pandemic. The matters addressed in this podcast represent my own personal views and opinions concerning issues affecting the citizens of Asbury Park in my capacity as the deputy mayor of the city of Asbury Park. They do not necessarily represent the official position of the city or the official position of the Asbury Park City Council as a whole. I am developing and implementing this podcast in an effort to keep citizens informed. However, this is not an official city of Asbury Park podcast and does not, and I repeat, does not represent the official position of the city or the governing body. Welcome to Asbury Pod. It's August 17th, and I am here with um, several people, but I am not here with Joe Walsh. Instead, I am here with a friend and fabulous person, Michael Cook, who I would love for you to introduce yourselves a little bit. You start with you, Michael, and then we'll um, introduce Jojo and Kristen. Yes. Sure. I'm Michael Cook. I am a local resident journalist and been writing probably nine, 10 years about Asbury Park. I used to be an employee of Paradise many moons ago and a huge supporter of our community and uh, glad to see it coming back after this craziness. And you write for Out New Jersey, Michael, no? I still contribute to them, yeah. World of, right now it's mostly Instinct Magazine and World of Wonder I still write for. Okay, and we should, uh, do you want to just give their handles? So people sure, can it's check at out what you Instinct wrote. Magazine and at World of Wonder. Um, so we want everybody to check that out. And I am also here with a staple in Asbury Park, a gay staple of Asbury Park. Who <laughs> um, I have to tell you, I used to go to the women's events um, and then, you know, inevitably lesbians had too many Coors Lights and started fights and then Heather oh, like, had, to, had Don't to spread leave rumors. paradise. <laughs> <laughs> Inevitably, we were like, you know what? It's 7.30. All these lesbians are drunk. We're going home. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm sorry. So Jojo, uh, can you talk, can you introduce yourself a little bit and maybe more on the club portion? And Kristen, can you introduce yourself and more on the hotel portion? Sure. My name is Joe Jojo. Most people call me. Um, I've been manager of Paradise for a little over eight years now. Um, been a patron since 2006. Um, the club has been open for 20 years at this point. Um, other than that, <laughs> obviously this year is very, much different than normal. So, And how long have you been in town, Jojo? It's like a long time, right? Uh, I've lived here for 12 years, but I've been staying at the hotel since 2006. I was a regular customer before I became a 
uh, manager. <laughs> you were never a regular customer. You were the Thank customer. You. Right. I was a very good customer. <laughs> that to that we can all concur about. Yes. Loyal. He was a loyal customer. There you <laughs> <laughs> Right. And Kristen, how long have you been with the hotel? So I have been here for 15 years. Um, I just missed the very beginning of when Chef opens um, the first few months. So I've been been here from from almost from the very start. Um, you know, obviously seen a lot of changes in town as well as the hotel. I'm glad to still be here. Um, I have to tell you, the one of the first times I went into Paradise, um, Lisa was the bartender. And the show L Word had just come out or had recently been out. And, and I don't know Lisa, who I am now obviously friends with and adore her and think the world of her, Lisa Clark. So Heather and I are sitting in there and we say something about, oh, the L Word. And she's, you know, unhappy with the portrayal of the lesbians in the L Word. And, <laughs> and we're like, well, who cares? It's a lesbian show. Like, there's never been another. Like, right. do the women on that show look like me and my friends? No. But, you know, it's TV. <laughs> I don't care. And it's lesbian representation. So we get in this argument with her. 10 years ago, 10, 15 years, however, whatever it was, 10, 15 years ago. And, um, and that was my first experience in paradise. Sounds about right. <laughs> that all um, checks out. <laughs> so, okay. So just for the newer listeners or the, the same seven that, that keep coming back, bless you. This is really about um, taking people through the plight of businesses during COVID and, um, and the real effect that it's, it's having on them. You know, it's obviously from a city perspective, really frustrating with the kind of the vague executive orders that nobody really knows what he's saying exactly. I, I'm sure I don't have to tell either one of you that the restaurants want to revolt about the lack of indoor dining. Um, yeah. And retail feels like they're limping along and they were limping along before the pandemic. And now yeah. they're limping along even more. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm certainly really interested in hearing, I mean, you have a club that obviously can't even open and right. then a hotel that only recently kind of opened. So if you guys just want to take, take through a little bit about, you know, even like back from March forward, how it's kind of affected, um, you know, Paradise and Empress, um, I think people would really love to hear about it. Sure. Um, so we obviously closed on March 15th, which was our last day open. Um, we were allowed to reopen in June, um, by the pool, but the pool wasn't allowed to be open at first. So it was a little confusing for people. They're still having a hard time processing that the nightclub's not going to be open and definitely until, you know, we have some more orders. Our biggest. And honestly, order, Jojo, I think night nightclub live entertainment, I think all of that is so, I mean, I don't know when that, and we can talk about that later, but that, I don't know when that's going to open. I know. That's what I keep telling people. And they just seem to think that we have some sort of magic answer, which of course we don't have. It's not even on the agenda any longer. Phase right. four yeah. seems to have disappeared altogether. So the biggest problem is, you know, obviously getting people to understand the rules and regulations that, you know, we may be a little stricter enforcing than some other places and some other towns, but we're doing it, you know, to protect people. And we have a, bunch of different rules that we have to follow that have created our rules for the building, which I don't think people understand because I guess some places are picking and choosing what they're doing. But I think most people in Asbury are following the same set of rules, which is 
what the governor says, what the Board of Health says, you know, and what local government says. So you take all those rules together and then you create a set of rules for the way you run a business. But since other towns seem to be ignoring it, when they come to our town and our businesses, they don't seem to understand that we're not just making up rules to be hard asses, you know? So that's been our biggest hurdle here, I think, you know, other than obviously not making income like we would always make in the summertime because both businesses do play off of each other. You know, people book hotel rooms because they want to party. And now it's like, well, you can't really party too much. <laughs> the party's really over. You just have to sit down and relax and have cocktails and not be obliterated and not be dancing. and not. So it's just a little harder for us, I think, as far as both businesses are concerned. And then even as far as the hotel, where do you get people to come down here when restaurants aren't open, bars aren't open, there's no music scene, which is, you know, where a big part of our hotel guests come from, as well as weddings and stuff, which is coming up now, wedding season. So, And I think a lot of people, when I was talking to Ryan, I don't think people, when they did start to allow some of the outdoor, either outdoor dining or allow serving drinks outside or getting your pool ready, the preparation that businesses need need to take. So, you know, it's not, it doesn't take you 24 hours to open a pool. It takes a week or two to open a pool and kind of the, you know, the lack of just kind of like on this date, you can open this. Well, if I knew that two weeks ago, I could have prepared to properly open the pool and properly open the outside. That seems to consistently be um, a a, a complaint among businesses. I will say that chef, the owner, Um, had told us in the beginning of May, get the pool ready. Um, I know that at some point they're going to have to probably allow something. He's like, and we need to be prepared. If it's just hotel, they need a pool to go to. If it's hopefully bar, then we can have it. So we ourselves were prepared. Obviously the biggest problem was, you know, it's an expense to incur that we didn't know if we were going to make any money back to pay back because it costs a ton of money to get the pool area ready. We had to have extra staffing this year to clean and, and, you know, sanitize. So we were taking a chance from the beginning because he had said, get it ready a month before we were even really allowed to open it. So our pool was open and it was clean and ready to go. And we were paying the guy to maintain it for basically four weeks before we were even allowed to open the doors. That was a vision on his behalf. He had said that. So we were kind of glad that he did because it relieved stress on both of us as far as having to, scramble to get a pool clean and ready and get the pool company here and doing everything that needed to be done. So I am grateful for that. But yes, for other businesses in town, I could see it being, you know, a, a mad rush to get ready. You know, we still had to find staffing and stuff at that point when we were finally were allowed to open. But as far as the pool itself, it was ready. It was waiting. It was, <laughs> it was waiting, waiting for us for the green light. Yeah. And the same thing with the hotel. Um, you know, we, we closed by choice like Joe said, on March, um, I believe 17th, our last guest left um, because we weren't sure what was going on. And kind of, I think everyone had the same mind frame. Like we were just going to kind of close for two weeks and see what was going on, get some numbers and, and get some guidance. Um, I know that you guys did in the city close, um, decide to close the hotels for, you know, you know, certain reasons. Um, So we were, we were staffed and we were ready with our supplies and just waiting for the green light on, on that as well. Um, it did cause a little confusion for people because we were the only town, I believe, that did close some hotels. So guests were coming down 
to go to the beach and they were a little concerned why we weren't opening. Um, so we just reassured them that it wasn't that we weren't prepared or able to open. Or, 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 right, we weren't <laughs> going to reopen, I should say, ever. Um, that we were just waiting for the green light and that as soon as we did, that they'd be the first ones we'd be calling to welcome back. You know, we're blessed to have so many regulars and if we didn't have them. And if we were just depending on the seasonal patrons that come down, I'm not quite sure the summer would have gone, you know, not that it's gone perfect, but it, it definitely would have been very rocky. Yeah. And just so you know, the city's logic with the hotels, like, and I don't, and I, I would love to hear about the days before, but you know, I, I've talked about this before. We shut down actually before the governor did about a day before the governor shut it down. And the, so I went, I tell the story, I went out Friday night, it was a rainy night and you know, not that many people where I met, went out Thursday. Now I'm getting my days confused because it's all one day for five months. Either right. way, I end up uh, the first night, Friday night, I'm out. I feel like, oh my God, people are really socially distancing. You know, they're really taking this seriously. Asbury's really rising to the occasion. And then I go to Jimmy's restaurant Saturday night and it's packed. Nobody's social distancing. They had sports teams on because because they had suspended sports team uh, audiences and sports teams. So Jimmy's had all these old games on. So this, you know, 90 year old guy sitting next to me at Jimmy's is like, well, they're still playing sports. And I'm like, no, they're not. These are old <laughs> episodes. He's been and, there since it was on for real. Right? And he's like, can you fix my phone? And he's handing me his dirty phone and get and you, and you all know Garrett Jr. Garrett's there. And we're like, oh, Jesus Christ. And that Saturday, that was Saturday night and Sunday morning, we, we shut things down because I had Russell texting me pictures I had people at Johnny Max texting me pictures, all, you know, nobody was social distancing. So I'm a little curious how you, how you guys were doing Thursday, Friday and Saturday night leading up to the shutdown. So Friday night's not always super busy here. Um, we are just in the copper bar at that point because it is summer, uh, still winter for us. So people were trying to keep their distance, but because it was one room, it was a little hard, uh, but we didn't have that many people Saturday night. It was even you know, when the nightclub opened, everyone was more spread out. We definitely had a very big decrease both nights in the number of people out. So I think that they were kind of already getting the vibe that things might be shut down. Um, for myself, being a manager and so many people saying hello to me, people were getting offended that I wouldn't hug them or shake their hands that night. But, you know, it was all still in its infancy and had no idea what we were doing. I'm like, I don't, I don't know. You can't come near me. <laughs> you know, like, got to keep our distance. So we weren't packed both nights, you know, summers are big, big season. So the winter, it's not super busy in here anyway, but um, they weren't really keeping their distance either. It was kind of making some of us a little leery, like, you know, if they're not getting this now, they're not going to get it unless you really stop them, you know? Well, I think the biggest problem is since we have so many regulars, they felt that they were okay to be around and right. congregating with their own group. And we were trying to explain to people that even though you're friends with them, that this is not social distancing is social distancing. Right. right. And that was, a, that was a big challenge. And that still is a big challenge right now. They like, yes. Oh no, we know them. So we can pull, you know, 17 chairs together and, you know, have, have a party ultimately. So mm -hmm. We just seem mean because we're constantly breaking people up who are with each other Nonstop normally outside of the building. Well, we've seen mean for years. So now you're you're right on the same page with the rest of us. You were the nice one. <laughs> I trust, I'm not sure that I have that reputation anymore. <laughs> right. 
know, I was out the Friday night before, and it's kind of like I noticed in Asbury, you can always feel when something is coming. We were out the night before Sandy at Georgie's, and I think you can always feel something about to come. And I, we were out Friday, and you could just feel a difference. There were less people. There were people that you don't see as often. You didn't want as many people. You didn't hug your friends hello that night. And then we went out Saturday because a friend of ours said, you know, this might be our last time before they lock us up. Yeah, ha, ha, ha. And we went out, and it was very, it was just odd. And we had no idea. I mean, we joke about it now, but we had no idea it would be the last that we would be out in a club for months to come. And I think similar, Kristen, to what you said, we all thought this would be two weeks, a month at the most, and that, um, and that you know, we were going to kind of be able to turn things around pretty, pretty quickly and, and you know, five months later. Uh, Absolutely. That, and that's what I had told my staff. I said, it's not, you know, consider this like a vacation, you know, go enjoy, relax, relax, you know, the calm before the storm, you know, summer's coming, you'll, you know, take this time. And obviously, a <laughs> 100 days later, um, you know, we opened. And did now did all of Paradise close and everybody had to go on unemployment? Did was Chef able to get one of the one of the grants to help to keep you guys functioning? Um, we did get a PPE to cover um, some of the staff, mostly the, the staff. Hotel, mostly the hotel staff, um, just because things you can't let things sit for too long closed right. like this. You know, we are sixty years old and things just need to be constantly maintained. We also deep clean in the wintertime, which the girls still had to do. You know, you have to clean everything. So we use that time to really get involved, you know, and repair things that we might not have been able to fix normally because we're constantly turning over. So it was good in a way that we were able to keep people employed. Um, as far as the club staff, most of them did have to go on to unemployment because there's just nothing to do, you know? Right. There's very little to do here for the nightclub part. And the girls from, you know, the hotel staff did have to clean down here, too. They did all the deep cleaning and disinfecting because we were thinking, of course, we're going to be open in six weeks or eight weeks. Sure. So we <laughs> so were just everything was ready. Absolutely. <laughs> we were and having the done and stuff, things that needed to be repaired. But, you know, obviously. And the thing with different. Paradise, or at least that I've noticed with Paradise and, and a number of places, but specifically Paradise, is you've had this a lot of the same staff for many, many years. Yes. So that had to be. Yeah. Really and difficult. A lot of our senior staff members didn't want to come back right away because they were concerned and they're still concerned, which I, and I don't blame them, you know, so they're still not comfortable coming back yet anyway. So they're kind of relieved that they're not forced to come back or that I haven't had to replace them because they couldn't come back, you know? So. Because you're right, Amy. Um, yeah. I, I've been blessed with my staff being almost the original crew from the beginning and Joe as well. Yes. And the hardest part of COVID was worrying about them and what what we were going to do. It, you know, when obviously we 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 knew we were going to open at some point. Um, we just didn't know when and what to tell them, and that was very stressful. Um, I, I think I know from just knowing you both for so long and so well that you know if you're going to be an employee of Paradise to a certain extent, anybody long term, you have to kind of put your heart and soul into it. And you kind of have to have a passion for it. How how have you both kind of been able to keep that passion for the business while you've simultaneously had to worry about, like you both just said, your entire staff, you know, basically making a living? 
Well, luckily for Joe and I, we um, <laughs> we get along very well and we bounce off each other. Um, it's yeah, it definitely helps to have a relationship where the two factions of the business aren't arguing with each other. And it wasn't always that way, right? So we're we're lucky now that and, we have that. Um, we we never really argued from the beginning, sort of. Right. So no, we've been fine. We've been good together, but you know, we share concern for both of our staffs together. So I worry about you know housekeeping and you know her front desk staff as much as she worries about my staff as well. So um, it's just part of what we do. I think people come here and there's sort of a ma- not a magic about the building. I don't know how to say it. I don't know if it's because of its age or just because of the group of people we have assembled here. But like, everybody here is very passionate about being here and working here. And, you know, everyone, of course, gets frustrated at their jobs. But for the most part, the staff really puts their heart and soul into everything that they do here. Um, people may not always see how hard we work or understand that, like, even in the wintertime, we are, you know, bustling all year round because there's always something that needs to be done, especially at a building, like I said, that's as old as it is. You know, we do have a lot of repairs and stuff and, and they really do all pitch in and, you know, who's painting and who's, you know, washing curtains and cleaning carpeting and doing all this stuff. So, like, we're, we're just very lucky that way. And so when something like this hits, it really hurt us because we're trying to figure out how to make sure that they're all okay and that they don't think that their world is going to collapse because, you know, your job is a big part of your life. You know, as much as people may act like, oh, I hate work, but it's a very big part of your social life. It's a very big part of your being. So we were just worried about the mental health of a lot of our employees. Like we can get through things because we've gotten through them before, but our concern was really for them. And we were lucky to have ownership who understood and gave us our space to work things out in our own head and, the tools to work things out, so. And Jojo, you talked a little bit about like some of the rules that, that you, you, you guys have implemented. Can you both kind of just describe how things are different now? Well, the biggest thing is, you know, you have to, you know, wear your mask, obviously, but the biggest problem I think is getting, is the congregation and the dancing and the, you know, over stimulus and socializing. And I want to speak to this person and, you know, walking up to strangers, you know, when you go to a bar and you have a drink, you want to talk to people and you have to try to explain to people, you can't walk up to a stranger without your mask on and have a conversation with them because they may not feel comfortable. You can't stand next to them. Even if your back is to them, you have to give them their space. And that's, I think, one of our biggest obstacles here, you know, and other places are having DJs and are having dancing. And, you know, for us to tell them, well, we're not doing that because we feel dancing and DJs promotes people being on top of each other and wanting to, you know, congregate. So, you know, on Saturday, Friday and Saturday nights, we've done a thing now where we take the pool chairs away and we put out tables by the pool, which seems to be working much better in our favor. We're seating people now. So we just basically have to tell them when you get here, you have to sit in your seat unless you're getting a drink or you're using the restroom. It's very hard to put, you know, to enforce, but we do it, you know, as the night gets longer, yeah, they, gets they are a little bit more forgetful. Right. right. And it's the opposite of anybody's experience of paradise for the last 20 years, right? Yeah. Your experience is that you're, you know, chatting with people, picking somebody up, dancing with people, you know, any, and any of that. So. Yeah. And there's no smoking allowed outside anymore. I don't know if you knew this oh. is part of the rules or not. Um, because we are an enclosed area, 
the nightclub and the bar used to be the non-smoking area and outside would be the smoking area. So the health department said the outdoor area is now your non-smoking area and they have to leave the area where people are drinking in order to smoke. So for some customers who have been coming here for 20 years and smoking by the pool when they have a drink, it's been very hard to enforce that as well. Um, but it's just what has to be done, you know? I remember smoking inside the bar. So. Me too. Me too. I remember Billy T hustling to make me a way too strong gin drink that I had to stumble home smoking. That's yeah, it. They, they used to make me one they drink. Would smoke while they were serving you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. For Lou, yes. <laughs> Joe over at Cruising. <laughs> mm -hmm. mm. Yep. Good times. Um, and Kristen, what kind of uh, rules have you implemented hotel-wise? So obviously the mask as well, which is our biggest challenge. Um, everyone stops at the landing on the first floor coming down and puts their mask on because they seem to think that the rule is just for the lobby. So obviously com all common areas, people are supposed to have their masks on. Um, yeah, we hear everything. I don't have to wear a mask because I'm positive for the antibodies or you know they just don't want to or they're just in a hurry or it got wet at the beach. So it's, it's a constant excuse, kind of feels like romper room. All we do is yell at people that we're trying to keep people safe and just explain to them that obviously we're in charge of 600 people. It's not just their personal opinion. We have had problems with people that just think COVID is nonsense and they just don't have to wear a mask. And that, that's fine. They're right. They don't. They just don't have to come here. So they have options. Uh, the, the the great mask debate is just and and I'm not saying I love wearing who loves wearing a mask right. but if you could just put it on when you're walking through right I, I, I'm not understanding this like mask debate it's 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 puzzling it, it remains puzzling to me at best well especially at the bar when you're sitting there that you know that they smoke you know that they're dr they're drinking. And then they said, you know, they're screaming at you. I don't have to wear a mask. Well, A, if you have a breathing issue, why are you smoking and drinking? And I'm why screaming. are you screaming? <laughs> like it's 100 degrees outside and you're drinking at the pool. You have a breathing problem. I don't think that that really equates because if you really have, if you can't breathe and you have breathing issues, high heat and poor air quality are the worst things. Adding cigarettes and alcohol to it, it's even worse. So you're some people are just really legitimately making excuses. Sounds like a great Sunday to me. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> poor air quality. We love it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And as far as I, yeah. I think for our community, though, I mean, I had a discussion with somebody, another friend about this saying I have the antibodies and not wearing a mask is kind of like the new I'm on prep. You know, it's mm -hmm. kind of like the safety that they feel, oh, well, you know, I'm on prep, so I'm okay. Or I have the antibodies, I'm okay. And I think they've, these younger people, I mean, have fooled themselves into thinking that if they, they had it in March, then they're superhuman now and can do whatever they want and throw parties. And then when they're asked to follow rules in an establishment that they feel very comfortable with, like Paradise or like somewhere else, suddenly it's full stop. What do you mean I have to listen to the rules? Right. Exactly. And Michael, just describe for people who don't know what PrEP is. It's the medication for it. Yeah, it's it's basically, it's one pill you can take and it basically, I don't want to say it makes you immune because that isn't really um, educationally correct. It basically it puts the chance of contracting HIV if you have unprotected sex with someone 
down to an absolute bare minimum. So there are younger people, younger than JoJo and I, who the older we get, it seems there's more of them. I don't know how that happens. But <laughs> they, they'll say, well, I don't need to use protection. I'm on prep. So it's the same kind of logic. Oh, I don't need to use a mask. I already had it. It's right. the dangerous logic, but you know nobody wants to come to the bar with all these rules and be lectured on top of it. So right. it's best to just put your mask on, get drunk, and keep it moving. Stay away from people. Exactly. And I will say, every every person I have spoken to in some capacity has these experiences. I'm having it. I'm a I'm a legal services attorney, so my next epidemic is is going to be housing evictions. Right. That's going to be what what is is going to be the thing that's going to be eating up all of my time. But I, in 15 years in doing housing law got screamed at maybe twice or three times a year for something. But because there's no evictions and because nobody, many people are not able to pay rent and because landlords can't evict you. And I'm the person who calls you and says, hey, there's a moratorium. You can't evict this person. If you do a self-help eviction, I will call the police and it will be a disorderly. I will have you arrested. You have to you know, suck it up and wait until the court's open and then you can properly evict this person, except under very, very extreme circumstances. And I have to say that to probably three or four landlords a day and at least one or two just scream, scream at me in a way that I've like never had to, usually people think I'm like, so this has been like this wacky experience for me where people are like screaming and hanging up on me, at least in my day job. And even as a city official, it's like it's a, it, people are screaming as well. And they're screaming about the strangest things like, listen, I, I don't like speeding. Speeding irritates me. But the way people talk about speeding is like, it's like, they, you know, you've just seen them rape small children. You know what I mean? Like, they went 10 miles over. I'm, I'm sorry. And, and, and we'll get a cop out there. So the extreme, so when you both are talking about like constantly having to reprimand the romper room, you know, kind of what we have to deal with now and, and the way people are treating other people is for me been a, been a, a difficult challenge. I think I don't, I don't know if, if I'm explaining that right, but. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. It's definitely a challenge this year. Um, I think everybody feels it. You know, you can see the frustration in everywhere that you go in the people's faces of having to tell people over and over again, you know, why are we telling you to wear a mask at this point in life? Like this has been going on since March 15th. Everywhere. There it's is no question as to that you have to wear a mask out in public. It's just not like, it shouldn't have to be said. It's just having to tell people the same rules over and over again. You know, it's exhausting. It, it's exhausting. It's like, you know, you know, you have to put on your shirt when you leave the house, male or female. You put on a shirt when you leave the house. You may take it off at some point, but, you know, you leave your shirt on. Why is it so hard to go with a mask and just walk into a place with a mask on? It's not the end of the world. I mean, you can wear a bandana across your face. You know, it's not, I don't know. To me, that's the dumbest part of it. It's like, I can understand if you don't know the other rules, but like the mask part should be the very simplest thing you have to deal with. <laughs> Well, it's like when they, it's like smoking. When I mention smoking, I mean every once in a while now we'll be out and we'll see somebody light a cigarette. Most of the time they're drunk, but you'll see someone light a cigarette. You'll see the flash in the in the main room, and I'll go, "That guy's lighting a cigarette," as if they're <laughs> pulling out a knife. But I mean, when they said no more smoking, there was no more smoking. That was the end of it. It just right. follow the rule. I mean, you can't just say, "Oh, well, I'm still going to smoke," so you'll be all right. Well, I mean. We're in, we're in a little weird phase with society right now where, you know, they think that everything that they do is 
right? You know, uh, you know, I'll touch on this and it might be the wrong thing to say. The customer isn't always right. <laughs> whoever, whoever came but up with that. Nor is the taxpayer, Jojo. Nor is the taxpayer. I was going to say that, Amy. I was going to say, neither is the taxpayer, unfortunately. Yes, you pay taxes, but unfortunately, there can't be a cop on every street monitoring the speeders. Sorry, it's going to happen. We just can't. There's no possibility of that much control. If you want to cop on every single block in Asbury Park, you'd have to have what, 300 police officers on duty? Right, right. As opposed to our, like, 70. So, <laughs> right. Exactly. Your taxes would be insane. So you, it, it's a trade-off, you know? Like, things are going to happen. Someone's garbage cans might not be at the back of their house. They might be in the front. I mean, there's nothing, you know, code enforcement's busy. Everybody's busy. <laughs> but same thing here. It's like, you have to understand that there's, there's only so much everybody can do, you know? And the customers have to, you know, understand that we're struggling as well. This isn't fun for us. You know, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago. The, the weird thing about this is if it was a normal summer, we would be done. We'd be like sitting here. We'd be planning, you know, it'd be October already. Yeah. It's dragging by. Every day, it's a whole other round of rules, the whole other round of, you know, who are you yelling at? We want it to be over. Trust me. <laughs> the staff's you know, exhausted. It's just not the same summer. Like I said, normally it would, it would have been by in a flash of an eye. It's like this is the longest summer ever. It's the longest summer on record mm-hmm. because Memorial Day was so early, Labor Day is so late. And now we have to add this to it. <laughs> you know? True. That is true. And can I guess, like, logistically, are you, did you have to, like, limit guests? Do you have to limit guests oh, yeah. to the pool? You have to, like, there's a whole nother layer to what you do in both of your you know, well, for yeah. The ho- yeah, for the hotel, um, you know, it, you did ex- um, expand how many people we were allowed, I believe, after 4th of July, yes. Jojo had mm-hmm. uh, spoken with you. So we, we were allowed to do 100% that week. My comfort level is about 75%. I think that's the right amount that we are able to clean everything properly, not put the overload on the staff. And also, since we are limited with how many people we can have out in the pool area, and we did have such issues with the beach passes, that if we were at 100%, we wouldn't be able to accommodate them out by the pool. Right. So then they wouldn't be able to go to the beach. They wouldn't go to the pool. And now now they have to wear a mask on top of that. So they, we, they would be very angry with us. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I'm not sure that you know our setup this year, but we spaced all the lounge chairs. We grouped them in groups of two to three then space six feet apart, figuring a couple or a group of three friends who spend time together will sit together. So -hmm. there's a lot less chairs on our pool deck than normal. Um, We have to send people upstairs to the sun deck, which we're lucky that we have a whole other area up there, which is also spaced the same way. Um, So we are limited to about 100 to 110 people at a given time. so it's been hard because, you know, you have to at some point reject people and tell them that they can't come. But with that 110 people, you have to factor in hotel guests and who's coming from the hotel down to the pool, especially if they couldn't end up getting a beach badge. So it's it's a juggling act, especially on Fridays and Saturday nights when there's not a lot of bars that are able to accommodate. So now we have to, like I said, we make sure that we're seating people in their seats so that everybody is distanced apart. Um, so that's been a, a challenge in and of itself because, you know, a Sunday team ends here, we could have five, 600 people outside mm-hmm. <laughs> and to be limited to a hundred and have to have 40 of them be upstairs and only 60 of them down below. It's a little, it's a little odd, you know, but it is what it is. It's the way we're doing business right now. Exactly. And 
obviously housekeeping always clean the rooms um you know to as far as cleanliness but now they're now they have to clean everything things that people wouldn't think of you know the shower curtain rods the doorknobs the inside of the closet doorknob no one realistically cleaned that you know through every guest but now every single surface needs to be disinfected so that that's taken quite a bit longer than than anticipated so 75 percent is is a good number for us i think it's a controlled number and right. it's, it's worked for us so far and, and same thing with us outside it's yeah. you know that's what we can handle that's why we only have one bar open that's why we're just doing things the way that we are because 100 to 110 people is pretty much the max of what the staff can deal with as far as rules and stuff and spacing you know keeping people distance from each other so exactly and obviously we want everyone to be safe as far as the employees as well as our patrons so right that, that's our comfort and are you finding like are you do like ryan was very funny in the sense that he was talking about throwing people out who are already outside and that that is an interesting experience but are you finding that you have to throw more people out same amount of people out less people out we had to have the police here the very first day we opened. <laughs> At four o'clock in the afternoon, it wasn't even late. <laughs> yeah, that was so. So, yes, we throw out just as many people because you have to remember our percentage is a lot lower so, and we're still throwing them out. So, yeah, we we give people three, three strikes, three strikes. and you're out, you know, if you, which we've always done. But I think it's just becoming a little more pronounced with some people because they think it's a joke, you know, oh, you're going to, you're going to kick me out for this. Yes, we are going to kick you out for this. <laughs> you know, and the police have been very good. You know, they've stopped in to even just check on us every once in a while to make sure everybody's behaving. Um, they're always very quick to come and help us when we do have an issue, which we're very grateful for here. Um, and the people that we're throwing out there, there are people who the individuals that are just being disrespectful and it's almost intentional. Right. You can tell how the night's going to go pretty early on and we just get rid of them especially we have regulars who are waiting to come in those are the people that we want to be here we're, we're not looking for people who who just came down to asbury just to see what's going on or see what we're doing down here because they heard on the news that you know donovan's or maybe we shouldn't be saying names um you know other places are not following all the rules so they're, they're coming to escape and bring their mischief down here and we're just not tolerant of it not not and, in the chance of risking other people. Yeah, and you know, I always make fun of Esbury Park being the wild child of, child of Monmouth County, but we have managed to, and, I, and I'm knocking wood, we have managed to escape um, the Barres and the Don, Donovan's Reef. And I think that's really a credit to, you know, we may be a partying town, but when we need to pull our shit together, we'll pull our shit together. Agreed. Um, I agree with you 100% on that because you see what other towns are doing in other areas. I called the blah, blah, blah. I won't say the bar, but Donovan's, whatever. You can bleep it out. We closed at midnight a couple weeks before, two weeks before they got in trouble. And I'm pretty sure I called you, Mikey, Michael, and said, Donovan's is going to get shut down. They had, there's no way they can't get shut down. We closed at 12. I drove past there at one o'clock in the morning. It was like a mob scene. People were falling in the street drunk. Cops were just looking at them. I'm like, nobody had a mask on. And I'm talking, I encountered about a hundred people on the street <laughs> on wow. our snap. And I'm like, I don't know what they're doing. This is insane. How can these people be this drunk? Like the rules are, it's just supposed to be socializing. It's not supposed to be wild party time. I'm like, this looked like an insane party to me. And then two weeks later, they were in the news with all these issues. You know, the only thing I 
you know, and I've said this to a lot of people is, you know, the governor needs to take these cases case by case. He can't just shut us all down because he feels a couple bars are, you know, not doing the right thing. Because this percent. And I've been to other bars in town since this happened. This has been my most chance to ever get out in the summertime of my life. <laughs> I've never been to other bars in Asbury in the summer, but everyone is doing their job and they're being very diligent about it. So don't shut all of us down because a couple bars in other towns are not behaving. Shut them down, take their license away, suspend it. But like, you've got to give businesses a chance to survive. And bars are always on, not on the brink, but you know, it's not a very healthy business to run. It's hard. We have liability insurance that other businesses don't have. And, you know, there's a whole round of things that we have to pay for that other people don't. And it's very hard to survive and to take it all away from people because a couple of places are misbehaving is absolutely insane. And I don't want to speak ill of the governor, but he needs to start going case by case instead of saying, well, all these businesses are messing up. I you think know? bars like yours are generation, generationally dependent also because we're of a generation where we had to go out to meet other gay people. Right. It was sometimes the only place you could be yourself or you felt safe or you could be you know, your truest, most authentic self, whereas the generation behind us have their phones. They have the internet and they can meet online and say, let's go meet at the Cheesecake Factory. We couldn't do that. We all can remember walking into a gay bar for the first time. You too, Chris, probably, right? (laughs) I've been to a few. (laughs) I mean, the younger people, they they were gay in high school. So, you know, uh, I think businesses that cater to the LGBTQ community, especially right now, it's very precarious for them because they're normally dependent on the customers and people have said for years, bars are dying, bars are dying. And many people look at it and they look around and they see therapy closing and they see clubs in LA, you know, Flaming Saddles closed in West Hollywood. And they think, is it gonna be my bar next? Is it gonna be my favorite bar next? So people are very on edge about that. Right. And and really specific to gay bars, I think, um, sure. because the, yeah, they're they're dropping like flies. I think that's a great point. Okay, and can I? We're going to get to some fun questions, but can I just? And I don't think the governor has given you any guidance, so I don't really know that you can even answer this question because I don't have any guidance on it. Um, but it, how are you envisioning fall? <laughs> we were just talking about that about twenty minutes ago. Yeah, we're not really sure what to expect because. The bulk of the business here is the nightclub and people want to dance and, you know, yes, we have the copper bar, but we're not really a super big happy hour bar. Um, so I'm not really sure how it's going to play out, to be honest with you. And obviously the hotel is dependent on the patrons from Paradise as well as the other venues, you know, obviously with the Stone Pony and all of the other music events being canceled. That's what kept us through the winter. Well, we're clearly a seasonal business and um, it is, a, it's a little scary. Yep. We're Definitely. not, we're not sure what to say. We're not sure what to tell our staff. Um, and I think it's been something the governor's really missed. And when we were, when we were fighting for kind of guidelines on indoor dining, because the restaurants were telling us they were dying and they, and many of them still are. When we were, when I was repeatedly trying to explain to people, this isn't, you know, uh, East Brunswick or, uh, you know, Rumson or, or these places that through the winter, you know, while they may have a small drop in business, it's not like a shore town where, you know, on a February in 
you know, seven or eight o'clock, I'm the only one sitting at the bar at Langosta. I mean, no, no right. question about that. So I, I just feel like he's continued to kind of miss this urgency with shore towns and shore businesses that um, what I hear and what I suspect will happen is that you'll squeak by through the summer and, and when we'll see the massive closings, they'll be fall and winter. Right. Because, a lot, you know, we are lucky that we do, you know, the owner owns the building. Um, a lot of places don't own buildings, they rent. Mm-hmm. I don't know any restaurant or bar business that has a year's worth of rent in the bank to pay rent for a year. They are month to month, most places. Um, what the governor's failing to understand is like, there's no bailouts for businesses like that. Um, I don't understand why you can walk into a Wawa, and I've had this discussion with Kristen before, and there's 85 people at 8 o'clock in the morning getting coffee and in and out and touching sandwiches and touching coffee machines and touching this. No one's cleaning. They're all breathing the same air. Why can't you go to a restaurant and sit down and eat dinner or, you know, maybe not necessarily a bar right now, but at some point socially distance in a bar if they are set up for that. Um, How does the long-term survival of the businesses that are going to employ people. We employ a lot of people in this place in the summertime. It's generally around 85 to hundred. And this year we are living along. We just counted this morning with 25 people. The service industry staff. is huge. And <laughs> in, in, in 60 this people out of business, out of work, as far as we're concerned, you know, most are part-time security and stuff, but it's still people not working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, placing an unburdened stigma on restaurants and bars like we're the most dangerous places. We're really not. A lot of these other places are very dangerous. A Wawa is way more dangerous than coming to a restaurant and eating where they're going to clean a table after you leave. It's not like you're, you know, they put a new tablecloth, they put paper down. I don't get the whole disparity and, you know, understanding his logic in the businesses that he's picking and choosing what can be open and what can't. You know, at this point, if you if you, you choose yeah. to go out, it's a chance that you're taking. If you're not comfortable going out, but at least give some people a chance to survive. I agree. I think we're at a point now where that's what it's coming down to. And I will tell you, I mean, I, I've spoken to JoJo and Kristen both about it. I've spent a lot of time out of Asbury this summer. You know, I've made sure I've supported the businesses, but I've been out. And I'll tell you what, Saturday night, I'm in Rehoboth. I went to a drag show inside. It was fine. Everybody it's, was being nah. respectful. It's the exact same rules that he's describing at, that they have now at Paradise. And every the, the the performer stays on stage. If they're off, they wear a mask. They're collecting tips, but they're putting them in a bucket. It's very well maintained. Yes, a lot of it is the clientele. But when they had people that were out of hand, they said either follow the rules or hit it. I mean, it's I would implore the, the leadership in, in our state to kind of look around to the states around them, see what they've been doing, because Rainbow Mountain is open. Don't ask me how. But I was in Provincetown, Fourth of July weekends, and we were eating inside. Everything was fine. People Where were. were you? Sorry, I didn't hear you. Pardon? We're oh in Provincetown, right? Yeah, right. And and everyone was fine. Everyone was being very respectful. They yeah. spaced everything out, and yeah, they're and having shows. The July. They're having shows at the Crown and Anchor, and I know in Rehoboth, there you know several places are having shows indoors. I think. It's I think we're we're being overly cautious is great, but I think we're at the point now where, like Jojo said, it's not every man for themselves. But I think if you're comfortable, there's customers I've noticed that haven't come out. Like when I've been out in Asbury regulars that I've said to one of them, hey, what happened to so and so that we haven't seen for one reason or another? And that's their business. If you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. 
Exactly. And if the employees yeah, don't feel comfortable, absolutely. they're protected as well. That's right. You know, That's it's right. a choice. Right. And I choose to go out. Are. Right, right, right. Right. And and I'm safe, but we we all are social. We we need to have that. It, it's our business. It's our nature. You you ask how how we survive here for this long. It, it's the passion. It's the the need to be around people. Right. And in, in the long term, yeah, I and I understand that it's safety first. But the long term of what's going on right now is we're going to see this for five years. We're going to see so this. Back to your thing, Amy, before where you said, um, you know, normally we're the bastard children of. Monmouth County, we're such a you know party town. How are people going to acclimate themselves to be able to go back out again at some point? Like we're dealing with it this summer. Is next summer going to be like more hellish than we're ever used to? Are we going to be making the news more because it's going to be worse? Is that another right. concern that we had, we're it's just talking about today? Crazy. Like, are people going to know how to behave in public again? <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. No. Like, agreed. Agreed. And to your point, Jojo, how eighty-five people can go to Wawa and I can't. Twenty-five percent of the of people can't have a sandwich at Frank's space to part and, right. and leave is it remains befuddling to me. Mm-hmm. It, it's um, <laughs> But listen, we got to get into um, funner questions because okay. we have to wrap up. Okay. Places that were here that are now gone. For me, cruising in circuit was, you know, but I started, that's when I started coming out and, you know, we used to bop around all the different bars you know, all the different gay bars. So that was a diff, you know, a fun time for me. I also miss the staff that used to work there. Um, uh, what was the place across the street? The Tides. The Tides was a, when, when Stella was the Tides. We oh, used to like going there. Yeah. Somebody just asked me if Stella was the Tides. <laughs> I forget. Yeah. Now I have to remember who did. So I used to go to a place. I talk about this. Anybody's? Yes. No, I had to, you know, Lenny very politely told my wife and I around 9.30 or 10 that we had to skedaddle from anybody (laughs) so we weren't welcome um, (laughs) after that, which was fine because we're like early people anyway. But um, yeah, we used to sit in there. I don't know if you guys remember a thing called the Mega Touch. Mm-hmm. So we used to play, yeah, yeah Mega Touch right. and drink our Coors Lights like good lesbians. And then skedaddle. We do have one somewhere. <laughs> yeah, if you one. miss it that much, Amy, we can get you hooked up. Um, maybe. Well, if this goes into a second wave, I might. Um, so anyway, that, that's one of my places that I miss. Michael, what, what do you miss? Anybody's used to be down the street, right? Yeah. Anybody's used to be where Wesley Grove is. Yes. 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 I miss before I started coming to town. Yeah, I remember when it was down the street. That's when I met. That's when I first started coming into town. I would come in on a Sunday and we'd kind of look in there. And it was like it was like a gay bar that you would see in like a movie. It was totally. like dark and like you'd creep around. Yeah, like that's where Hoffman worked and Lisa worked and Anthony worked and all those all those old school people. That was a that was a fun, fun place. And then it became anybody's and it changed as soon as Paradise opened. But I mean, I remember the night Paradise opened, we walked in there, it was like the Wizard of Oz. Like when she came out of the house, we all walked around like, like this is like a real place now. Cause we remember what it was like before. But yeah, down the street was the spot. Used to be the spot. Amy, I'll tell you a real funny story about Michael Cook and I. When I first decided to take over as manager, I was working after Billy T and he came in and said to me, you better not do this. I'm telling you, don't do this. You're going to regret it. And I said, no, I'm only going to do it for one or two years. And he's one or like, two I'm, years. I'm just going to pick up a couple shifts. Then he goes, I'm telling you, you're going to regret it. He goes out to the parking lot and he starts his car. And it was like this big bang. And he comes running and I'm like, did you get shot? What the hell happened in his car? Back? <laughs> 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 I 
Like Uncle Buck. Buck. <laughs> Um, like that funny story. Here we still so are. I, the one of the people I miss who is now gone is Billy T. Uh, we because, love her. Oh my god! So Billy T was just so kind and such a character and yes. like so we loving. Him. We talk about him all the time here. <laughs> he was my happy hour bartender. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, we used to um, watch not America's Next Top Model. What was the singing one? But he used to, you know, he would have. Yeah, so it would be Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, American Idol, and then we would Heather and I would would eventually go home. But it, you you watch all of these straight through on his happy hour shift. So, um, so he's my person who was here and is now gone. And who are your guys? Well, that's definitely that's definitely mine. Okay. I mean, really, just know, takes I, it. I took over he right does. after him. Um, I do miss Joe that used to work at Cruise, and I don't know, you know, he was working at Brennan's for a while, but I lost track of where he's even at, but he was always a lot of fun behind the bar, you know, always had a quick retort. Um, but yeah, because I've been basically here most of the time, and Billy was who I took over after, so. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, Billy, Billy wins across the board. <laughs> such a good egg, such a good egg. Yes. Okay, if you had to say something good about this pandemic. We've bonded together. We've stayed strong together and we supported one another. And I think it really taught us a lot of people who maybe we thought were on our side, but really turned out not to be. Um, You know, there's always people that you help out and that you think that they're your friends. You know, you give them a discount or you get them in or you take care of them and then they just disappear when the going gets tough. And I understand that people don't always want to come out. I get that completely. But there's ways to support people that don't necessarily mean you go up out to a place. You could call up and say, hey, I'm sending the staff some sandwiches or I know like this isn't a great time for me to come out right now because I'm afraid. But, you know, I'd like to do something for the staff or for you guys. Now, we do have people that are obviously doing that. But then the ones that like you really, really help with events and different things. And it's like, oh, now all of a sudden we can't help you. So you can't turn around and help us. And I understand a lot of people are struggling. But there's some people and some organizations that like you do help. And it's like, well, where are you now? And it's just even words of encouragement. Write a letter. Write a review. And I said that um, as soon as this happened, you know, I put on Facebook, since we're not going out, write a nice review about a place that you like to go to and frequent, you know? And Well, you just showed me one just the other day of somebody posted on Facebook that was so nice and that they were here and they were so comfortable with the staff and the way that everything was being Oh, yes. I saw that. And that's nice to see because, unfortunately, people in general only like to tell you the negative. So, like Joe said, just a common thank you or good job is is nice when you're in the service industry. Thinking of you guys, even though we're not coming around. You know, just stuff like that. Michael, what would you say has been a positive from the pandemic? I think I've seen um, I've seen a lot of people kind of. I've said this to them before, when you said I've been to the bar because you have to support whether we're in the midst of a global pandemic or hell busting wide open, you still have to support your LGBT establishments. But I've seen them and I've I've gotten to, you kind of can't walk away from everybody. If I If the four of us went to a bar, you're sitting together. There's no walking away. I've kind, you're kind of getting to know people in a different way. You're talking about things maybe you wouldn't have talked about before, or you're having conversations about things you wouldn't have had conversations about before. So you are kind of getting to know people that normally you would talk to them for five minutes and walk into the lobby. You're getting to know them in a different way. 
So you are spending more time with people. Um, so in a way, it's kind of made interpersonal relationships a little tighter because the opportunity to go talk to other people isn't there. I totally yeah. agree with that. And I think like for me, at least from the city perspective, I had a meeting a month, a meeting a day. I mean, I wish I had a meeting a month, a meeting a day with, you know, whoever, an industry or a, a, a resident or, you know, somebody wants to do an event here and not, you know, either doing it via Zoom or doing it on conference call um, and not going to 17 different things in, mm -hmm. in one day for me, at least has been, um, initially it was difficult. I'm not a particularly still person, but it has at the, at five months in, I'm like, I'm not coming out. You, <laughs> right. can, zoom, you can zoom me in on this call. I I'm not coming over. Um, and jo yeah. Jojo mentions before, you know, we we're very lucky chefs, obviously everyone knows chef in the community and he's always been an involved owner. Um, and we appreciate that he was, allowing us um, and so supportive and that the staff was as dedicated as they were. They, they truly, they, they just said, what can we do? What can we do to make this easier for you? What can we do obviously to keep our jobs and, and all. So we, we could not have done it without the people who are inside this building. And I think this has brought out so, so much good in people. So I know I was like, I'm getting screamed at every day, but like, I want to like the Asbury park dinner table that's raised like $200,000 and is feeding people, which, which was, you know, another member of the LGBTQ community, Kathy Kelly's idea. Um, I mean, I've just seen tremendous, tremendous um, inspiring people in Asbury Park doing really amazing things. And I think one thing, you know, that's hard for you guys and hard for me and hard for Christian and hard for Ryan is not having the space to raise money for causes that are near and dear and not, right. you know, having that ability right now is, is certainly, you know, there obviously was no pig prom or I think it's now been rescheduled and um, Ryan didn't do the cupcake event. I have this women's convention event. I had to cancel like week of, um, and that's been, you know, different, right? Not, not raising money for causes that need them burden state equality is in kind of the same boat. Right. Um, okay. And I'm going to do three, well, one can, I'm going to spend two seconds on assless chefs because I talk about that in a lot of really? my, and which is like, like a second on it because I have been, I have been in town about 20 years. I used to go to pride and it used to be a slew of men, mainly men in assless chefs. And my last pride, I mean, if I saw one, and there used to be a guy who used to come to Georgie's and ask those chaps all the time for the for the Christmas for Dictani's uh, toy drive. Yes, <laughs> they've all like disappeared. Where have all these people gone? Are you oh, getting ask those chaps at the club? Our asses don't look the same as they used to look. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Kristen first when I first started working here. I was oh. at, I had no pants on. <laughs> yes, she has a picture somewhere in one of her phones. I do. <laughs> He has on a, a Christmas apron in the front and not in the back. I remember that apron. <laughs> so we've all just gotten too old to wear assless tops. Is that is I, that I, is that what I'm hearing? But yeah, let's I not bring we, it back, Amy. I think the younger generation <laughs> isn't quite into it as much as yeah. we used to be. Let's be okay with it, please. <laughs> like no bottoms. They can stay back there. Yeah. Um, okay, and these are just kind of quick, you know, little quick questions. Can you each give me your favorite movie? I don't watch movies. I can't. Yeah, I'm, I'm so sad. Say, I'm pathetic too with <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, I truly don't. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> sad, right? Right? I've stumped you both with that one. We Michael, did. do you have a favorite movie? Boys in the Band, without a doubt. <laughs> Which what one is yours? Boys in the Band. 
Boys in the band. Okay. Never saw that. No? <laughs> um, so mine's obviously Bound because that was like one of the first Bound. lesbian <laughs> movies that came out where they didn't die. You know, the, the lesbian genre is the minute you have sex with another woman, you're killed in the movie or series or some horrible <laughs> harm comes to you. That, oh, I, I, yeah, there, there's stories like, like lesbian writers write about this. And um, Bound was like 1995, 96. Um, and they ended up together at the end. It was, sh- you know, in the middle, it gets a little shaky, but um, they end up together. A, a quick story about that. I went to see that movie so much in my first uh, semester of college, I had to drop out the second semester because my absence was <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> yes. Um, and then, so if I'm stopping you on movies, because I'll, I'll be honest, I admit, I don't know if you go to the movies a lot, Michael, but I actually, it's one of my favorite things to do. I go to the movies a lot. So a the, lot um, I don't think I'm going to be down with watching a movie in a mask, but... Yeah, no, me neither. But I have missed. But yeah, we watch them at home all the time. I have missed, um, like, going to a theater, sitting in a chair, and watching a movie. I know. They're all opening, though, right? AMC is. Right? I don't. Well, I haven't heard movie theaters. Then that's a new one on me. No, AMC is starting to open. I think they're opening 100 in the tri-state area. And And you have to wear a mask or no? That I'm not sure. But I know it's going to be distant, so like you have to buy a ticket in advance and you're going right, to be- Right, right. Yeah, but I mean, Paradise is, str- I mean, they've told us they're, they're struggling with how people keeping masks on in broad daylight in the sun. If you think <laughs> in the bizarre. <laughs> in the pitch black, forget it. No, yeah. Just not right. It. All right, then let's do favorite celebrity crush. Oh my goodness, you're stomping me. Jeez. Matthew McConaughey. Favorite celebrity crush. Favorite celebrity crush. I know. I have to think about this one too because I just made that that question I made up on the slide. <laughs> um, Problem is he doesn't watch movies. How? Yeah, why would he have a celebrity crush? This is one he'll usually say, "Who's the guy from the thing?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah, because I'm terrible with names. Everyone knows that. Um, Come on, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I can't think. Let me think of musicians, yeah. maybe. That might help. Um, do you have a fa- uh, do you have a celebrity crush, Michael? Chris Maloney from Law and Order for sure. Yeah, yeah I can a- see that. You yeah. gonna steal cookies? I'm gonna say steal it, but it's a good one. <laughs> okay, and then Kristen and um, Jojo, can you just give um, hours, contact information, handles? What when while we're wrapping up, so people know how to get a hold. I think I, I joke about this. We we do have more than seven listeners. I'm part. I don't want to say how many because I don't want people to think we're as big as we are. But we do have more than seven listeners. Sure. Well, the hotel, their phone number is seven three two seven seven four zero one zero zero. But we are recommending that people go on the website for asburyempress.com. That way, they get all of the most updated COVID guidelines and um, know exactly what to expect when they get here. Um, most of our information is on our Facebook page, which is Paradise NJ Club, I think. I should know this. It is. And then on Instagram, which is Paradise NJ. Um, most of our updated information is there. We are open at the pool Monday through Thursday. No, Sunday through Thursday, 12 to 10 every day. And then on the weekends, we are open 12 to 12 midnight. But we have been staying open later if the crowd is nice and you know things are going well. We can stay open until around one thirty. So, oh, and we have yeah. been. So, and it's a, it is there is a cover charge during the day of ten dollars. During the week, there's no cover at night after seven, and on the weekends, it's five dollars after seven. 
Oh. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Michael, for co-hosting. And if I Thanks do Joe Cole, I'm gonna ask you to co-host that one as well. Um and I will I'll text Joe Cole. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. I know you have really busy schedules. I know this is a little early. I have to tell you, I tell Ryan, I'm like, Ryan, can you get on a call at 10? You'd think I said to him, Ryan, can you go run a marathon? I, I want him to go on my my business committee call tomorrow at 10. And he's like, 10. And I'm like, 10, Ryan, 10. It's 10. By 10, I'm eating lunch. Well, nightclub workers and people that are in nightlife, we don't wake up until late. I get up most days at between 10 and 11. Or when we call him. <laughs> or when there's an emergency. <laughs> Too funny. Okay, thank you guys so much uh, for coming on. Thank you, Shared Universe, for um, for taping. And this, I will tag you or email it to you, or but I will get it to you in the next couple of days when we air it.